Love. A different love. And it's been my prayer throughout these last few weeks that as we have been listening to God's word concerning his love, I've been praying. Bless you. Thank you. I've been praying that our hearts have been able to understand and to appreciate something more of the greatness of God's love. When we think about God's love, it is imperative that we do not limit and restrict it to the type of human love that perhaps we are more familiar with. But rather we allow God to reveal to us the beauty and the power and the strength of his love towards us. And it's my belief that as we do that, so not only do we become more aware of God's love and we not only do we appreciate more and more of the way he loves us but we have a greater capacity in fact we have a God capacity to be able to love one another as well and I pray that the example that we have in God's word of his love will will not just be something we learn but something we allow to be imparted into our hearts the Bible says this In Romans chapter 8, Paul, the apostle, said, I am persuaded, convinced that there is nothing, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present or things to come, height, depth, or any other created thing that has the ability, has the power on its own to separate us from the love of God. And that is a truth that's foundational to what God is teaching us. We may feel unlovable. We may feel that we have lived a lifestyle, that we have committed some act that negates us from God's love, that separates us from God's love. But my friend, if we believe that, we believe a lie. We believe what Satan says because God says, you know what? There's nothing that can separate us from his love. His love is eternal. His love knows no, knows no bounds, no ends, no boundaries. It doesn't say to us, I will love you as long as you, and then give us conditions that we are supposed to fulfill. God says, I will love you, whatever. And we have seen how that God's love is not just this beautiful, warm, tender love that embraces us perhaps in a time of of trauma in our lives or a time of distress A time when we feel we need someone to love us. But God's love is so great that it is strong and relentless. And it never, ever let go of us. 
It never gives up on us. It never comes to an end. There's not a limit to God's love. It is limitless. It is an eternal love. And it is the love with which God created you and I. It is the same love that God expresses when he looks out for us. He watches over us. He cares for us. And as we, be, we began to discover last week, it is the same love with which God disciplines us. We read these verses that come at the end of Psalm 139. Where David has spoken about the way that God has created us. He formed us. He wrote down everything about us before ever we were born. And once we are born, the thoughts that God has towards us are precious and without number. He watches. He cares. He provides. He protects for us. And at the end of that psalm, David says this. Search my heart, O God. You know, that prayer comes out of a revelation of God's love towards us. That isn't a prayer that you pray to somebody that you know you're not sure if you can trust. It comes out of an understanding that God created us in love, cared for us in love, provides for us in love, protects us in love. And because God is love, he will discipline us in love. He says, search my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me out of that and into the everlasting way of life. In other words, Lord, discipline me. And as we said last week, Discipline is not punishment. We have perhaps grown up with a misunderstanding of what the discipline of the Lord is. And when we hear that God will discipline us because we love us, we're expecting him to punish us when we make a mistake and when we sin. But my friend, that is not discipline. We'll talk about that a bit more in a moment. Look what it says in Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the chastening, the discipline of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, he disciplines. In just the same way as a father disciplines the son in whom is his delight. Discipline is not punishment. Discipline, my friend, comes from the same root word as the word we use, disciple. It's the same root word. Do you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see Jesus punishing his disciples? No, you don't. But you see him disciplining them. And discipline means to instruct. It means to train, 
to equip and to correct. Let me read to you from, from the Old Testament, from Proverbs chapter 5. The, the words in English will come up on the screen so that you can follow. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. He's getting ready to discipline, to train, to equip, and to instruct his son. He says, then you will show discernment and your lips will express that you have learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the path of life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So now, my sons, listen. Take instruction. Be trained. Be warned. Listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. That's discipline. Immoral women, he says, are bad for you. They'll lead you to death. They'll take you away from life. Stay away from her. Don't even go near the door to her house. Don't tempt yourself. Don't wonder. Don't be inquisitive. Stay away. If you do, if you go near to her house, if you listen to her words, if you get beguiled by her, you will lose your honor, discipline, instruction, threats, No, discipline is not threats. Don't, parents, don't say to your children, if you do that, I'm going to beat the living daylights out of you. Don't threaten them. Don't, Don't beat the living daylights out of them either. Especially if you're angry. Well, no time. Don't say... If you do that one more time, how many of you, I wish I had got it with me, young ho, how many of you have seen that movie, Night in the Museum? I don't know whether it's one or two. There's a fantastic beat in there. I don't know, I don't know the characters' names, but there's this, there's this Egyptian pharaoh-type person who's arrogant and thinks he's going to run the world. And the guy who's, who's running the, the, the museum... Is, is kind of testing him a little bit. And this, this Egyptian guy, you know, draws this imaginary line on the ground. Do you know the bit I'm talking about? Your v- faces are a little bit vague. I give you permission to go home and watch this movie because it's really good. And he says, this pharaoh guy says, don't cross the line. He kind of speaks with a lisp. Don't cross the line. If you cross that line, I- I- I'll kill you. 
and he threatens him. Do you know the bit I'm talking about? It's brilliant. It's, it, it's something that every parent should watch. How not to threaten your children? You crossed the line. I don't believe you crossed the line, he goes. You understand? You know another bit I'm talking about. And he does nothing. And, and, and that's not discipline. That's just empty threats. Empty threats. And that's not the way that we need to, to be with our, with our children. Threaten them. Think about the discipline first. If you want to make a consequence, make it relative to, to what they're doing. I, I, I don't like shutting children in their bedrooms. You're grounded to your bedroom. And then you wonder why they won't go to sleep at night. Duh. Because the bedrooms become a, a, a place of punishment. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that one in. But God doesn't threaten us. He doesn't say, if you go messing around with these immoral women, I don't know what I'm going to do to you. He doesn't talk like that. He tells them exactly what will happen. Because he knows. He says, if you do this, you'll lose your honor and you'll, you'll, you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. You'll lose your reputation. You will be shown to be who you really are and what you really want. Strangers will consume your wealth. Yeah, there's a lot of men out there who would say, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You start to engage with immoral women and we're not picking on women. The emphasis is on immorality. You start to engage with them and you have an empty wallet and an empty bank balance. Mm-hmm. You lose your wealth. You lose your wife. You lose your family. You lose everything. Is that a threat? No. It's God warning us. This is what that lifestyle produces. I don't see many amen placards up at the moment. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. People say, if God is a God of love, why does he allow AIDS? There's your answer. There's your answer. God says you go messing around in an immoral way. You go sleeping around with people who are not your husband or your wife. This is what's going to happen. It's not God's punishment. It's just what happens? It's gone very quiet now. And you will say, how I hated discipline if only I had not ignored all the warnings. Why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instruction, instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin. And now I must face public disgrace. Does God want you to come to the, to the brink of utter ruin? Do you think God wants you to go there? Honestly? Absolutely not. This is why he warns us. Stay away. And we in our pride and arrogance says, well, I know better than God. I'm strong enough. People say to me sometimes, no, I'm not addicted to anything. I'm not addicted to, to nicotine, to smoking. I say, well, stop then. Well, don't want to. No. Yeah. And there's consequences. 
You see, God's discipline is not punishment. It is instruction. It is wisdom. It is training. It is equipping the heart. The heart. Because without the word of God, we have nothing that enables us to walk in a way which leads us to life. It's God's word that leads us to life. Not our own wisdom. Not our own smart alecness. That's the new word of the day. Not our own intuition. That in itself is useless. Utterly useless. But it's the word of God that God disciplines us with. That will bring us into life. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's why I say read it. (laughs) It's not just a brilliant book. It's not just the, the top seller year after year. It's God's word and it's given for inspiration. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. What's another word for all of that? Discipline. And God gives it to us because he loves us. God says, forgive those who offend you. Why? Because he loves you. He says, if you're married, stay faithful to your spouse. Why? Because he's a killjoy. No, because he's old-fashioned. No, because he loves you. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is good. Why does he tell children to do that? Because he doesn't want them to have fun? No. Because he wants parents to be dictators? No. Because he loves us. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or wrath. Why does he say that? Because he loves us. God gives us his word to discipline us, to correct us when we get it wrong. But primarily and formally to teach and equip and to instruct us. That's God's discipline. The word of God, it says in Hebrews 4, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What does it do? It pierces God's word pierces. Have you ever read your Bible and felt God's word piercing you? Man, I have. I didn't used to like that. I used to to turn the page over pretty quick. Didn't like that. (laughs) Man, that's hard. No, it's God's love. It pierces, listen, to the division of the soul and the spirit Like it gets between the joint and the marrow. What does that mean? It means it has this ability within it to distinguish between what is living by the soul and living by the spirit. Living by what we feel, by what our emotions tell us, by what we prefer. Self-centered living, soul living And living by the Spirit of God. God's word will discipline us in this way. It will, if we allow it, teach us and instruct us and equip us and train us. And God loves us so much that even when we won't listen 
to his word as instruction. It will come as correction and reproof and rebuke. And if you're in the habit of shouting hallelujah, amen or praise the Lord, that's one place that we should do that. Because we need it. God never, ever stops loving us. And he will do everything he can to bring his words of life to us. There's no creature hidden from its light. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. My friends, one day, whether we like it or not, you and I are going to be judged by the word of God. And God would much prefer that we allow his word to come into our hearts now. That it trains us, equips us and corrects us as he disciplines us then it would be that we face that judgment. What have we done with his word? There'll be a time when everyone is open and naked before it. I want to open up as we come to the closing part of our message this morning. I want to open up this, this goal, this target, this place that we've been heading towards for the last three weeks where we begin to talk about God's love being a love that pursues us. And, and when I talk about pursuing, I'm not just talking about gently following behind. I'm not talking about that, that lovely, comforting presence that sometimes we experience. And we just know that God and his love is with us. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is God's love that with purpose, with determination, with consistency, it chases us. It chases us. It doesn't just follow us so that we can feel its presence. It chases and pursues us because it wants to over. Whelm us. Now I'm not talking about how some of you guys are pursuing some girls. You're doing it because you want to get something in return. The beautiful thing about the love of God is that it is perfect. Perfectly complete. Completely perfect. It, it doesn't need anything. When we turn to God and say, God, I love you. God doesn't get bigger. He doesn't feel better about himself. It doesn't comfort him. It doesn't improve him or add to him. Because he is already perfect. And how many of you know that for better or worse, you can't change something that's perfect? And God is not pursuing us because he wants to gain anything. He pursues us with a pure love. Knowing that if we will hear his word and receive his word and believe his word and live by his word, we will also be, believe and receive his life. That's what God wants us to, to experience is his eternal life. 
Not just when we get to heaven. But now. Look at your neighbor and say, now. Now. It's when, that's the when that God wants us to experience his life. Quickly, I want to remind you just to begin this subject. Just to whet your appetite about this. Just to stir up things on the inside of your heart. Do you remember the the story in the Old Testament of this guy called Jonah? Yeah? Have you read the book of Jonah recently? Yeah, it's an interesting book. It's not a fairy tale. It doesn't belong in some fiction department. It's true, true story. So here here is this man called Jonah. First three verses of that book says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The instruction. Why? Because he loved him. He came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Let me stop here just a little bit. This is where we're going to head the end of next week and the following week. This is an expression of God's love. God wants to speak into our hearts. And he wants us to hear his word. Not only for our benefit but because there are people all around us, like there were in the people of Nineveh, who were rebelling against God and needed to hear the truth about God and his love. And guess who God has purposed to demonstrate his love through? Can you guess? Is it the Old Testament prophets? Is it the saints of the New Testament? Is it just the 12 disciples or the apostles? No, my friends, you and me. And so he speaks his word to us because he loves us, because he loves those around us. He says, go, cry out against that city, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose and he ran. He ran to a place called Tarshish. And he was trying to run from the presence of the Lord. It's like when I open my Bible and I read something. Ah, I don't like that. I don't want to forgive that person who's hurt me. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem fair. How come they get let off? How come God doesn't want to punish them? And I try to run from the presence of God. I was saved when I was seven years old. It took 10 years for me to be baptized by immersion. And all that time, God the Holy Spirit was pursuing me. And all the time I was trying to run away. It seemed like every message that somebody preached and every Bible verse that somebody got me to learn And every conversation that I was entering into with believers was all about baptism. And I was kind of saying to God, God, give me a break. God didn't. And guess why he didn't give me a break? Because he loves me. And 
He won't give us a break. I had the same about tithing once. I didn't think we could afford to tithe. Week after week, the Holy Spirit kept talking to me until I said, okay, God, I give in. I receive your words of truth and life. And here's Jonah trying to run away from the presence of God. He went down to, to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He got on. And there he is. He's on his way. He's running from God. But if you know the story, you know that God begins his pursuit of Jonah. God's not about to give him a break. God's not about to say, okay, you turn your back on me. I'll turn my back on you. Let's see who survives this the longest. God doesn't work that way. He pursues him. If you've never read this, listen to this. Verse 4. But the Lord, who? The devil? The God of the north wind? Who doesn't exist? No, the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty storm on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. You see, sometimes things happen in our life and we're shouting, God, deliver me from it. This can't be you. This isn't who you are. And we say those because we haven't yet grasped the infinite love of God that pursues us when we are hell-bent on trying to run away from him and his presence. God says, I love you so much. I am going to do whatever it takes to get my word and my life in your heart. My friends, I would even say this. Some of the storms of life that we experience are God-ordained. I didn't say all of them. Some of them. Because that's the only way God knows he can get our attention. And speak his word into our hearts. And all the time we're saying, God, where are you? God, why are you doing this? God, deliver me from this storm. And all the time God is saying, I'm right here. In fact, I'm the one who caused this storm. Because I want you to turn to me. Can you hear that, my friends? I know some of you are thinking, my God, this is, this is controversial stuff. No, it's not. It's not. It is demonstration of just how much God loves us. Think about the story. It is demonstration of just how much God loves humanity. Because God needed to speak to Jonah so that Jonah would go to Nineveh. And we'll see next week just what happened as a result of that. God begins his pursuit of Jonah. You read the story. It's not, there's, there's only four chapters, I think, in Jonah. You read the story and you see that eventually Jonah is, is thrown into the, into the sea. How about that? He's thrown into the sea. But listen to this. God provided a fish, a great fish, to swallow up Jonah. 
And when Jonah is three days and three nights in the belly of that fish, there's something exceptionally significant that happens. One, God takes care of him. Some might say, here's my proof. God is punishing Jonah for trying to run away from him. No, he's not. No, he's not. Man, if God punishes you, it's going to take more than that. You're going to get more than a storm and three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. It's called hell. It's called eternal separation from God. God is not punishing Jonah. God is disciplining him. He's correcting him. He's lovingly pursuing him. And he provides a fish for him. For his home for three days and nights. But if you read the book of Jonah, you'll see that it's in that place. That not only does God take care and protect Jonah. But Jonah meets with God. We're going to finish our message here this morning at this point. We're going to continue the pursuit of, of God's love for us next week. But I want, I want to say this, my friends. I want to ask you a question. And I'm just going to ask it point blank. I love you and I know you love me. Here we go. Are you running from God? Are you pursuing your own agenda? You're trying to fulfill your own dreams and your own desires. Somewhere along the line, you are going to experience the love of God that is so great, so vast, so wide, so deep, so high, so long, that it's immeasurable, that it will pursue you and it will catch you up. But it's not going to threaten you and it's not going to punish you. It's going to lovingly correct you and draw you to the life of God and the truth of God. It's going to bring you to a place as it did with Jonah. Where that fish, the Bible says, sorry that we're getting close to to lunchtime. But that fish, that just vomited him up. Mm Mm-hmm. But Jonah was happy that it vomited him up onto dry ground. Because God had pursued him with his love. God had caught up with him. God had created an environment that caught Jonah's attention. That Jonah realized that he was trying to run from God. It was a worthless pursuit. It was running in the wrong direction. It was running to death instead of life. And in the belly of that fish, Jonah met with God. And he repented. And he came into that place where that, that pursuing love of God had its work in him. And I believe that God's love is so great that if we've got our tennis shoes on, you may even have your running spikes on. If you're an athlete, you know what I'm talking about. And you're trying to run from the presence of God. What does that mean? God has spoken to you and you're saying no. God has spoken to you and you're saying I can't do that. God has spoken to you and you're just refusing to let his loving words have their work in your heart. Because you feel it's too difficult. It's too big a price to pay. 
then my friends, just be ready because the love of God is going to pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. And you can say to God as many times as you like, God, give me a break. And God's not going to because he loves us too much to do that. Let's pray.